Specialty Story, session number 89. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to talk to amazing physicians about their specialty. This week is no different. We are talking to Dr. Erica Snyder, a colorectal surgeon who's been out of training now for five years, and she is based in the community. So we had a colorectal surgeon on before who was based in an academic center, but now we get to see the other side of what it's like to be out in the community and specifically why Dr. Snyder chose to be out in the community and some of those differences between an academic setting and a community setting. We start the conversation by talking about what drew Dr. Snyder into general surgery and then into colorectal surgery. Yeah, I think my interest in surgery definitely took place first. I was very fortunate when I was in college and I did a summer, it was called a Franklin General Summer Scientific Research Program. And it basically was a program where I rotated through a hospital, almost like being a medical student kind of, but I had that opportunity when I was in college in the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And basically I rotated through like the emergency room, OBGYN, general surgery, internal medicine, and I had my first exposure to general surgery and I just fell in love with it at that point. I mean, I didn't get to do anything. I was a college student, but I stood there and I observed a laparoscopic cholecystectomy and it was just fascinating to me. I loved seeing the laparoscopic portion of the case and I remember the general surgeon actually like handed me the gallbladder from the operative field. <laughs> he had me put some gloves on and told me to open it up on the back table. So I dissected it a little bit. And I think that's really what, you know, whet my appetite for general surgery. A gallbladder in your hands. A gallbladder. That's cool. Exactly. Was there anything fun in there? Not just some stones, you know, but yeah. for me as a college student, I thought it was great. <laughs> it was the world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So how do you go from being interested in general <laughs> surgery to then going, I want to deal with what most people think is the most repulsive part of the human body with the colon and rectum? Uh, that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> because most people come into my office and my patients always ask me, whatever made you get into this field? <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, as go I went through medical school, I developed my interest in colorectal surgery. And it's funny because I'm in a group where I shadowed one of my partners back when I was in medical school. And really, that's interesting. when I came to visit him. So he knew that my interest went back to when I was in medical school. And I think, you know, from a disease standpoint, I always had the most interest in diseases of the GI tract, whether mm -hmm. it be colon cancer, rectal cancer, diverticulitis, inflammatory bowel disease being Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, and even the, you know, hemorrhoids and the fissures and things like that. So, you know, aside from dealing with stool every day, I mean, put that, you know, aside, I think from a disease process standpoint, I, this definitely, you know, captured my, my interest. Now, a lot of students and, and residents, people who end up in a specialty will have some sort of exposure through family or themselves. Is that an exposure that you had, or there was just something about that pathology that you really liked aside from that? I, 
I have none. I'm the only doctor in my immediate family. I mean, I have a cousin that's an orthopedic surgeon, but my parents are not in the medical field. So, you know, I think it was more just my own interest as I kind of went through all the coursework in medical school and then confirmed in residency that I really liked those cases when I was doing general surgery. I did consider other things briefly. I thought about doing plastic surgery for a little bit and I was more interested in the cosmetic aspect, but I think, you know, ultimately colorectal surgery was the right place for me because I really liked all aspects. Yeah. You know, when you go through residency, people always say when you choose a subspecialty, you know, there are pros and cons of every single specialty, whether it be vascular surgery, no one really likes working with dead feet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's that aspect, but then you get to do these great bypass procedures and, you know, AAA repairs and endovascular approach. So you kind of have to look at both the things that are, you know, glorious and great with the specialty. And then, you know, the other things that may not be so great and figure out which specialty you want to go into based on that. And I think for colorectal surgery, I really don't have any aspects of it that I don't like. I truly like everything from doing colonoscopies for screening purposes and evaluating patients who maybe have anemia and have reasons to have a colonoscopy versus treating people with acute anorectal disease, like hemorrhoids, they come in in pain from like a thrombosed hemorrhoid. Mm. And I actually can get them feeling better and leaving the office, you know, feeling like they've been treated and they're going to get better within the next couple of days after they have their thrombosis excised or an abscess drained, or also dealing with patients with cancer. So I, I really like that this encompasses everything. What traits do you think lead to someone being a good colorectal surgeon? I think probably the same traits that lead to anyone being a good general surgeon. I think you have to be good at doing procedures and you're not going to know that in medical school, but I think as long as your interest is there, that you're more of like a procedure-based person, I think that's important. I think it's important to have attention to detail, really not overlooking certain things. And I'm also very organized. I think that helps as well. I think you also still have to be good with patients and their families. I think, you know, surgeons get a bad rap and people think that maybe we don't like to deal with, you know, the patient that much and it's just, you know, do it my way or that's it. But I think, you know, nowadays, I think patients really have an expectation that their doctors take care of them and have a good bedside manner. And I think that's something that's really important because you're dealing with patients who are maybe having an emergency operation or having an elective procedure, but it's for a colon cancer. So I think the patient really looks to their surgeon for comfort and reassurance and knowing that they're having a good operation. And then it's also care afterwards. So you really become entwined in their life and become important. Um, And I think just a technical skill set, being able to adapt and grow as new technologies come about. I think all of those things really help make a a surgeon a good surgeon. Mm -hmm. Now you're out in the community as a colorectal surgeon. What was your kind of decision algorithm to to go out to the community versus being in an academic setting? It's funny because all of my training has been academic. I went to George Washington University School of Medicine where I had a very strong academic medical school upbringing. And then I did my residency at the University of Massachusetts uh, Medical School in Worcester, Massachusetts, where I also stayed and did my fellowship. So that was a very academic program. And I actually spent two years in the lab doing vascular basic science research. But 
all of those things kind of bred me to go into academics. And I think if you asked a lot of people that knew me as I was going through residency, they probably would have thought I would have stayed in academics. But I think, you know, in terms of when you're graduating fellowship, you really have to look at the jobs that are available. And a lot of times there aren't, you know, a lot of academic positions or a lot of community positions. But the particular group that I'm in now is a group that I had wanted to join basically since I was in medical school, as I had shadowed one of the physicians in this group when I was a medical student. So I think that more led to my decision to go into community as opposed to something saying, I don't like academics or I don't want to do research or I definitely, you know, only want to be a community doctor. I think, you know, the fact that I can join the group that I'm currently in and have the support of my partners is what drove me to join the community world instead of academics. What was it about the group that you think drew you so, so tightly to it? I think just that it's a very well-respected colorectal surgery group on Long Island. So the group basically is made up of, uh, I have three partners and I think they've been around for a very long time and have really established themselves in the community. So I thought as a young colorectal surgeon coming out of fellowship, I would get good experience here, both doing anorectal things and colonoscopies and also have great operative experience which has has proven the case. So I'm on my fourth year in this group and I've been really happy. You talked a little bit about the types of patients that you're seeing, whether it's hemorrhoids or cancer or anything else. Is there a significant difference in the types of patients that you see in the community versus what you potentially would see in an academic setting? I think probably I see more anorectal disease, certainly compared to when I was in fellowship at an academic center, I can say that I definitely see more anorectal disease in terms of hemorrhoids, anal pain, anal fissure, rectal bleeding. But fellowship's a little tricky too, because it's a little deceiving because you're always in the operating room and you're maybe in what we called clinic back then. Whereas here in New York, it's more, you know, office hours. Uh, They don't really call it clinic, but you're maybe in, in the clinic half a day, one day a week. So you're limited in terms of your exposure. You get adequate exposure for anorectal disease and things that present to the office. But I definitely see more of that in the community. What percentage of patients do you think you see that come to you diagnosed and you're just performing some sort of definitive treatment or, or what percentage come and you need to work them up and diagnose them? I think it's a good mix. I think certainly if a patient is coming in to see me for evaluation of a colon cancer, either, you know, more, more than likely they've been diagnosed by their gastroenterologist who did a colonoscopy and identified that they had a colon mass or a rectal mass and have done biopsies already. So in terms of that workup, part of the workup's done for me when the patient comes in, but the other part of the workup is I need to complete a metastatic workup. So ordering the tests, whether it be a CT scan of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis, or a PET CT scan, or an MRI if it's a rectal cancer. You know, I need to complete that workup so that way my patient is prepared to go to the operating room, and I need to make sure that they don't have any metastatic disease. If it's anorectal problems, oftentimes patients come in thinking that they have hemorrhoids, or maybe they're told that they have hemorrhoids, and when you talk to them, their symptoms are 
not really consistent with a hemorrhoid. So most commonly, for example, someone may come in thinking they have hemorrhoids, but when you talk to them, they have a lot of anal pain, pain with bowel movements, things like that. And then you find that they have an anal fissure on exam. So there's not like a real workup that's associated with that, but you start treatment and it's certainly different than the treatment would be for a hemorrhoid. What does a typical week look like for you? My week is mixed. I spend time in the office most days. And I think that's also a little bit of a difference between academics and community. Um, So I have office hours every single day. And then I do uh, mixed into that, I have surgery. So I don't really have a set day that I operate on. But as I have cases, they get mixed into my schedule. So I may be in the office in the morning, and I may be in the ambulatory surgery center in the afternoon doing anorectal cases. I may be doing colonoscopies in the morning. For example, this morning, I had three colonoscopies, and then I started my office hours after that. But I'm also still doing procedures in the office because if someone comes in with a thrombosed hemorrhoid or an abscess, I would take care of it in the office as a procedure. And then there are other days where I'm just in the operating room or at the hospital rounding on patients. So I think it's a good mix. What percentage of patients do you think you actually see in your office hours that you actually take to to perform a surgery on or a procedure on? That's a hard percentage to give because I think I do end up doing a lot of procedures on people because I see a lot of acute anorectal disease like an abscess or a thrombose hemorrhoid and those are just minor procedures whereas you know I may be taking someone to like the ambulatory surgery center for a day surgery case like a sphincterotomy I actually just saw someone today for an anal fissure and she wasn't responding to typical treatment for an anal fissure which is nitroglycerin ointment She had given it an adequate trial and she was still having severe pain. So I added her on the OR schedule tomorrow for a sphincterotomy, which is a surgical treatment for that. So, you know, I I don't have a percentage for that, but, you know, I certainly do a lot of procedures. Do you have to take a lot of call? I do. I'm the junior person in the group. So (laughs) I think as the junior person, uh, you certainly can expect to take more call than your senior partner's. So it's, it's mixed. Um, I'm usually on call once or twice during the week and then either every two or three weekends, like second or third weekends. What does that call look like? Colorectal surgery call is usually not bad. Basically, I take call for the group. We do not take call for an emergency room. But if a patient presents it to the emergency room and asks specifically for our group or if it was our patient, it would get directed to us. So you often don't have to do a lot of emergency operations. So mostly on the weekend, it involves going into the hospital and rounding. We actually cover three hospitals. Most of our patients go to one of those hospitals, but we have privileges at three hospitals. So it may involve rounding at those three hospitals and maybe just rounding at one hospital. But our census or our our patient volume is not particularly huge at any given point, but you likely have to go in and rounds and then just answer phone calls during the day. Do you feel like you have enough time for family and life outside of the hospital and and office hours? Yeah, definitely. I think so. What's the training path look like to get to become a colorectal surgeon? So I did general surgery first, uh, which is typical. Colorectal surgery is not one of those, you know, straight paths that you can take after graduating from medical school. So general surgery is anywhere from five to seven years. I did seven years, meaning that I did my first two years of general surgery residency, followed by two years in the lab doing research, 
and then the last three years of my residency. So for a total of seven. And I think nowadays, most applicants for colorectal surgery have to do some sort of research to continue to be competitive because it is a very competitive field to match in. And if you want to match in a good program, I think it is expected that you do research. How long is the fellowship training for colorectal surgery? Fellowship is one year. Okay. Not bad. But it has its own board process. So I'm double board certified, both in general surgery, which had written and oral boards, mm-hmm. and colorectal surgery, which also had written and oral boards. Yeah. Lots of tests. They never end. Lots, <laughs> lots of tests. They never end. Exactly. So being double boarded for a new colorectal surgeon coming out of training, how much of their work, or maybe how much of your work, can be expected to be general surgery call? So I think that's always one of the tricky things when you're graduating from colorectal fellowship because there are not a lot of positions that are straight colorectal. And that's one of the things that led me to my group currently because it is 100% colon erectile surgery. This is actually my second job out of fellowship. My first job I took was a general surgery job that came with promises of building a colorectal practice. And I essentially was in that group for about a little under a year. I knew almost immediately that it was not going to be a good fit for me. Uh, Not because of the people there. Everyone was really nice. We all got along great. And I did a lot of emergency general surgery, but that was something that I wasn't really interested in having gone into colorectal surgery. I think a lot of people graduating from colorectal surgery fellowships want to only do colon erectile surgery in part because it's what we like to do, but also it definitely is associated with a better lifestyle. Yeah. Interesting. And when I graduated fellowship that particular year, there actually were not a lot of colorectal jobs available. There were a lot of general surgery jobs that, you know, had made promises of, you know, oh, this will be great. You can build, you'll be our colorectal surgeon. And kind of when you got there, myself and other fellows that had graduated that year had very similar experiences where we realized we weren't going to be able to build a colorectal practice for various reasons. They were all a little different between all the groups, but a lot of us had actually changed our first job out of our first job, you know, pretty quickly. Interesting. As a woman in colorectal surgery, how how big is that fraternity that you have or sorority, I guess, of of women colorectal surgeons? It's funny that you bring it up because it's actually huge. So even going back to general surgery, I would say that there are a lot of women going into general surgery nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's more reflective of the fact that most med school classes are a little over 50% women. Because I remember, you know, when I went to GW, it was definitely a nice mix, 50-50, maybe a little over. My residency class, when I started residency, it was a class of six. There were five women and one guy. Wow. And the class ahead of me was the same. We get shuffled around a little bit because we went into the lab. So those numbers changed a little bit as I went through residency. But I think also in terms of fellowship, a lot of women are going into colorectal surgery. Interesting. So I think I think it is a huge sorority. I think in terms of women in the fields now, we are accepted. I was treated very well in residency and in fellowship. I never had really any problems where I felt that I was being treated differently because I was a woman as opposed to a man. And 
there are societies too. There's, you know, women in medicine, women in surgery, uh, and then also at these societies and at our like annual colorectal meeting, they have a women in colorectal surgery luncheon and things like that. So I think there's a lot of unity amongst the women colorectal surgeons. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think 2018 was the first year the majority of applicants and matriculants in the medical school were were women. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So you mentioned the research to be competitive. What should, what else should a, a resident be doing to hopefully be competitive for a fellowship? I think it's important to stay really involved as a resident and it's hard. You're exhausted. You're working, you know, according to the 80 hour work week restrictions and all of that. But I think you can do extra things to make yourself stand out, whether it's, you know, doing a a little bit of research. If you see an interesting case, try to write it up as a case report, try to link up with certain attendings who are interested in research and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the subspecialty that you want to go into. I mean, going doing research in that area is always a good thing. But even if you're questioning, kind of dip into multiple pots. You know, I, I did research. I had little side projects going with, you know, a transplant surgeon um, who was big doing clinical research as opposed to basic science. I tried to get involved writing papers with my chairman of the department which worked out really well because he then relied on me to do certain presentations for him. So I was making PowerPoints for a lot of his presentations that he was going around giving on laparoscopic surgery to various countries and things like that. So I think the better known you are throughout your program as being a go-getter and just writing book chapters or case reports or working on little research projects, I think all of that goes a really long way. For somebody who may be interested in in being in a community setting, are there opportunities to further subspecialize after your quote-unquote general colorectal fellowship if somebody wants to be in the community as well? I don't really think for colorectal surgery specifically, unless you really just wanted to do anorectal disease. But I think I haven't heard of anyone wanting to do that coming out of fellowship. I think, you know, as a surgeon, you really want to operate and do abdominal cases. And I think that's just the way we tick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there really aren't a lot of subspecialties, although I can say, you know, there are some women in colorectal surgery who really enjoy treating pelvic floor disorders and they become, you know, experts within that field. But I don't think there's really training to further subspecialize. For the osteopathic student listening to this, what have you seen for an osteopathic resident to hopefully get into a colorectal fellowship? That's an interesting question because I don't have that much experience or exposure to osteopathic residents in terms of them applying to fellowship Mm -hmm. to then like subspecialize off of general surgery. I certainly have worked with some osteopathic surgical residents, but the ones that I have worked with have wanted to do general surgery. So I just don't have the answer to that question. Not enough data. Yeah. All right. What do you wish primary care providers knew about what you're doing day in and day out to 
to treat their patients better and hopefully have them in better shape when you see them? I think just realizing that we're happy to see anyone that they send over from their office, that they don't have to treat hemorrhoids on their own because a lot of times there's actually not hemorrhoids. So it needs a further exam. I think the exam that we do in the office is different. First of all, positioning is different because we actually examine patients in the prone jackknife position instead of lying on their side in the lateral position. And also sometimes you have to do an anoscopy or a rigid proctoscopy to really, you know, confirm a diagnosis prior to treatment. So I think for patients who do have rectal pain or rectal issues, I think it's really good to refer early to your local colorectal surgeon for further evaluation and treatment. What other specialists do you work the closest with? We work very closely with OBGYNs because one of the hazards of pregnancy are hemorrhoids. So uh, it's common to see pregnant patients in my practice. And then we also work very closely with gastroenterologists. We do colonoscopies in the office here, but they do a lot of screening colonoscopies and send us patients, whether it's for hemorrhoids or diverticulitis or cancer. I work closely with radiologists because any patient that I send to get imaging from the office, uh, whether I think they have you know, diverticulitis or if they have pelvic floor problems and I get an MRI or if I'm looking to further evaluate for a fistula, so I talk to the radiologists and go over imaging with them. We work with oncologists very closely because all of our patients that have cancer, I end up sending to an oncologist for follow-up, even if they don't need chemotherapy. I still have them because it's better to have two sets of eyes rather than one following a patient who needs close follow-up. Uh, we work with interventional radiologists a lot and primary care physicians. Are there any special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for colorectal surgeons? I mean, there's always opportunities, I think, to talk to your community and make patients aware of colorectal cancer screening. It's important, especially during the month of March, where it's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So I think there's always a lot of community outreach. There's also opportunities to work with, you know, certain companies, whether it be companies related to laparoscopic surgery or training on the robot and uh, Intuitive, which is a great company because I'm actually training on the robot now to start offering my patients robotic, minimally invasive surgery. I do laparoscopy, but I wanted to uh, expand what I can offer them from a minimally invasive standpoint. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into colorectal surgery? Um, I think there's always an adjustment learning, going from being a resident to being an attending physician. And a lot of that is regarding health insurance, billing. <laughs> they don't teach you that in residency, Not at no all. matter what. <laughs> you come out and you still have to learn you know, from the bottom and just figure it out. From the bottom, so is think, that a colorectal pun? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ton of those. <laughs> One of the benefits of being a colorectal surgeon, you get to have all these dirty jokes and <laughs> little puns. Yes. Um, but I think that that's a challenge uh, and you just have to you know, read about it and learn and learn from your senior partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a huge, a huge missed opportunity for, for somebody to come in and educate residents. It's 
my wife just opened up her own private practice for neurology and it's just been a huge learning curve to try to get in network with all these insurance companies and what oh, they yeah. reimburse and, and oh man, it's, it's crazy. So. It's very difficult. And my group is part of what's called ProHealth, which is a, a big company, a medical company that mm -hmm. there are a lot of different, it's a multi-specialty group essentially. Mm -hmm. So they deal with getting us in on all the insurances and things like that. So it's not a true private practice where it's a solo practice, but we're with a multi-specialty group. Yeah. Good. What are the biggest myths about colorectal surgery out there that students have or residents have? Biggest myths. Other than that we deal with poop all day. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to meet a colorectal surgeon who enjoys working with stool though. Interestingly. That we're only dealing with the anus and rectum, I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, that's how you get the old word of being a proctologist. Mm -hmm. and, oh, I have to go to the proctologist today. A lot of patients will come in and say, but I think colorectal surgery encompasses a lot. I think, you know, from a disease process standpoint, you're treating anorectal conditions, you're treating abdominal conditions and diseases like, again, like colon cancer and diverticulitis. So I think we have great exposure and we have a great ability to treat patients and getting them to heal. And that's ultimately why we all went to medical school to help make patients better. And I, I think colorectal surgery does that. What do you like the most about being a colorectal surgeon? I like a lot about it. I'm very happy in the field that I chose. I'm very happy in my current group. I have great partners that I consider to be more than my partners, they're friends. And I really enjoy my patients. I enjoy having someone come into my office to be seen for pain and knowing that I can help them feel better and they can walk out feeling better. I enjoy taking care of patients who unfortunately do have a diagnosis of cancer and knowing that I can help them be cancer-free. What do you and like the least? Yeah, what I like the least. I think the challenges of all the things that come along with medicine, having insurance companies tell you that you can't get this study because they don't meet this criteria when you know that that particular study is what you need to move forward to help the patient get better. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of colorectal surgery that, that medical students or residents should be aware of that may impact how they practice? I think always any changes surrounding insurance companies and things like that are always a problem. And that's just, that will affect doctors in general. I'm not sure that that's anything specific to colorectal surgery, but I think the field continues to grow. I think we continue to develop. I think the robot is becoming very big in how we operate on patients to offer more minimally invasive surgery. And I think as a field, we're growing a lot because it used to be that patients would have a colon resection and be in the hospital for a week. And now we have enhanced recovery protocols that help get patients out very quickly. So you can have a colon resection and go home on day one or day two from the hospital with minimal pain, eating a low fiber diet. And I think that's really impressive yeah. that the field has moved in that direction. You know, no longer are people having NG tubes in post-op. We're, you know, feeding them 
that day with clear liquids and then advancing very quickly to a low residue diet. So I think all of these advances have been really big. And I think patients are very happy as a result. Big movement. That's good. If you had to do it all over again, would you choose the same specialty? I would. I'm really happy in this field. Any last words of wisdom for the resident or medical student or even the pre-med student who is now interested or maybe has always been interested in colorectal surgery to, to go live their dream? I think you just have to continue to study hard and, and work hard to achieve your goals. And, you know, that will help you match into a good fellowship program and then ultimately get you, you know, your dream job. Maybe it won't be your first job coming out of fellowship, but I think ultimately you can get there. And I'm happy that I, I finally got there. All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Erica Snyder, colorectal surgeon. If you are interested in colorectal surgery, hopefully you'll go back and listen to the other interview that I did with Dr. Scott Steele, and that was episode 36 of Specialty Stories. And if you, again, are interested, hopefully you look into it, hopefully you take a lot of the advice that Dr. Snyder gives about what to look for and how to be competitive and so much more when it comes to colorectal surgery and matching into that fellowship. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We have more great physicians coming up for you in specialty stories. I would ask that you share this podcast with your friends, with your classmates, with your advisors, whoever it may be. Let them know that this podcast is out there for them to listen to. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. (laughs) 